Mixtapes with Mike is now working in partnership with Black Circle Records, an independent record store based in Latent Buzzard. No money is changing hands, but we are going to work on some promotions together, so it would help us both out if you would take a second and follow Black Circle Records on Instagram or click on the link in the show notes to visit their website. Welcome to Mixtapes with Mike, the podcast where I invite a guest to make us a mixtape of 10 tracks without using the same artist twice. You're going to hear us talk about each song, and if you like the sound of what you hear, you can listen to the mixtape in full on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, first off, another big thank you to all the people who've been downloading and leaving reviews. If you've not done that already, it would mean the world to me if you would take a second to leave a positive review on whatever platform you're listening on. And also, uh, following on from last week, I want to do another little thank you for listeners in far-flung countries that I I wouldn't expect to pick up listeners. Uh, I've had some downloads in Tonsberg in Norway, Pescatina in Verona, and Grossensbach which is a tiny village in Germany which apparently has no supermarkets. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious to know if that's true. So if you are one of these people, please get in touch. You can send me a voice message to my DMs on the Mixtapes with My Podcast Instagram page or you can email me at contactmixtapes at gmail.com. I would love to know who you are, how you found out about me and what you like about the show. So this week, I'm going to conduct a bit of an experiment. I'm going to host a bonus episode of Mixtapes on this new platform called Stereo. It's essentially an app where you can listen to live podcasts and you can send in voice notes as the conversation is taking place. So I'm going to be co-hosting this with previous Mixtapes guest Steph Tolev, who's a comedian who's based out in L.A., And we're going to pick a theme and then pick five tracks each to suit that theme and make the mixtape on the fly. So if you want to listen to that, you're going to have to download the Stereo app and search for Mixtapes in Stereo. We're doing this on Wednesday the 24th of February at 11pm UK time, which is 3pm Pacific Standard Time or 6pm Eastern Standard Time. The reason for the, the late start in the UK is because Steph is based out in LA, so we need to pick a time that is workable for both of us. So come along, listen in, see what happens. So this week's guest is a musician who I've known for a long time. I've travelled with him, I've worked with him, and during what is a 20-plus year friendship, he has made me expand my musical horizons whether I wanted to or not. This week's guest is musician and producer Mark Oldham, also known as Chairmaker, but I know him as Baldy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm a bit scared. I kind of feel like you've got all the power and you've taken it away from me. <laughs> it feels weird. <laughs> it's normally, normally I'm there, I don't know, poking fun at you and asking you questions and you're going to ask me questions. feels a bit... Yeah, it, is a, it is a little <laughs> bit of a role reversal, I suppose. Um, but it's. I'm glad we're finally doing it. Because if there's, if there's one, if there's one yeah. thing that we have always done in the... 20 plus years we've known each other it's talk about music um so so you know for for background sake and for a bit of context um we met each other through sort of skateboarding and snowboarding uh absolutely late shared work yeah late late 90s early 90s and then you ended up giving me a part-time job in a snowboard shop 
which mm-hmm. turned into an eleven-year stint, uh, and uh, I, I never remember it becoming a full-time job. It just kind of went that way. It grew organically, didn't it? As, as, as with a lot of our friends, you know what I mean. They, they, they all started off going. Can I have a few hours work on a Saturday, please, mister? And then like five years later, you'd be like, make the tea. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. Like two, two, two years later, it tea. went from, can I have a little bit of, of work to, uh, can I have a little bit of time off? <laughs> no, you can't have Christmas Day off. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we spent 11 years working together in close quarters. Um, not always easy, but but je- but often very fun. Uh, you're a more responsible adult these days. Well, yeah, completely. You know, you know, father of three, and you know, um, house owner, and yeah, get to work on time and all that jazz. Yeah, especially when I work for well, yeah. It's quite impressive if you manage to be, to be late for work when you've only got to go to your laptop. So. Obviously, so music's been one of the main things that we've sort of talked about over the years. You you have been like an older brother to me at times, forcing me to listen to stuff that I wasn't ready to listen to or willing to at the time. So like skateboarding got me as far as sort of like rock music and hip hop. And then starting working at the shop with you I was then put in a position where I got sort of opened up to more experimental stuff, uh, a lot of ele- mostly electronic stuff with you. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a bit of electronic, and I suppose a bit of kind of I suppose you slightly more kooky alternative. No, I can remember like spending a whole summer playing Joanna Newsom and things like that, Jumbo, and uh, you know, and stuff where you literally would be like, "Why are you playing this? <laughs> I don't like it." The customers don't like it. No one likes it, <laughs> apart from you. <laughs> I've got a fondness for her now, um, but but certainly then, that's the, it. Wouldn't strike me as something that was, that was conducive to retail. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, yeah, no, completely. But I think I was also probably quite, I don't know, quite militant as well. Just you know I mean like, no, you're not listening to that. You've got to listen to this because this is what you should be listening to. Oh, there was to, absolutely you know? a lot of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's just sort of alternative horizons were broadened through brute force alone. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's fair to say that you're not, you're not someone who goes for sort of contemporary arrangements and melodies. You like something that's a little bit off the beaten track and... Have, has sort of rough edges and sort of kind of fractious rhythms and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and and stuff that's not too polished. I kind of, I kind of really like kind of like sometimes like the happy accidents and the and the stuff between tracks where you kind of you listen to them and you go, oh, did they play a bum note there? But then actually, that's that's quite a nice thing, isn't it? I think it was it David Byrne from Talking Heads said. I never. I don't trust someone who sings in tune, you know. And and that's really the feel for me. I, I I like the rough rough edges, and and I like the kind of, I suppose, you know, how fast someone pushes something or pushes the sound, or or you know, or where they get to, you know, in the midst of kind of creating. It, it, the, apparently, the Rolling Stones are the same. Apparently, the Rolling Stones. Uh, apparently, one night the sound guy nailed it and and made it sound 
perfect and the Rolling Stones weren't happy because they wanted it to sound a bit flawed and they wanted it to sound a little bit like a racket so that people knew that it was live and it was you know it was yeah. legit yeah so absolutely I, I was curious to see how you would go about making your mixtape so h- how did you approach this um Oh, I approached it by like making a mixtape and then like throwing it over my shoulder into the bin and then making another mixtape and throwing that over my shoulder into the bin. Um, I think I think I started off wanting to kind of play lots of different music and for us to talk about lots of different genres of music and then ultimately, you know, the inner DJ inside me, you know, the inner curator was like, no, it kind of all has to fit together a bit more. So I need to find elements within the mix or, you know, within the 10 tracks which are different that I can talk about, but but ultimately, I, you know, so it all kind of stitches together. So it's something that it's 10 tracks that you'd want to listen to that kind of when, you know, we've spoken about music so many times, you know, whether it's a mixtape or whether it's an album, something, some, some, it's got to take you from A to B, hasn't yeah. it? You know, it's got to take you on the journey. And if you suddenly throw something completely off kilter in a mixtape, then it can, you know, it stops the journey. And, you know, the idea is the idea is you kind of whenever you put on I don't know when you put on a playlist you go I'm going to listen to one track on this playlist but that one track forces you to then listen to the next one to the next one so I kind of I had a few attempts of being really disparate and kind of trying to showcase loads of different genres and then thought no I'll kind of keep it kind of fairly tight there's a bit of variety in there but I think it I think it's quite it does kind of knit together okay so so who's your first track by Okay, so uh, my first track's by a band called The Orb. I wasn't surprised that that we would that we would start with something like this, like because I, I get I get the impression that for a long time this kind of music was kind of your bread and butter. Now I remember this track because it kind of it it kind of became a little bit mainstream. It's, it was one of those kind of sort of yeah. electronic dance music pieces that kind of made its way through to the charts. But it's actually, it was actually like a more, it wasn't pop. It was like, it was a legitimate sort of dance, sort of rave kind of, well, not so much rave, but a def, but certainly like electronic music. Yeah, well, it, it was, for me, it was, a, it was an entry point. So, I mean, you know, I kind of like grew up in secondary school, you know, there was no YouTube, there was no Spotify. There was the way that you found music, like when I was a kid was like, people played things to you. You, um, you know, you chatted about them. Like all of the records that I listened to, I ever thought were 45 minutes long because you would give someone a, you know, a C90 and you couldn't give one and a half sides, could you? So they'd put whatever they could on that one side of a C90. And I can remember, um, like, you know, I was a, I was like you, just when I was a, you know, post-punk kid, into punk, um, into Susie and the Banshees, madly into The Cure, and, you know, and a bit of prog, but generally everything that was kind of guitar-based. And I'd kind of heard about this band called The Orb, and I, I can remember it now, I kind of, like, went into the school library and saw, like, one of the girls that was in my class, and I was just like, you got that album that's just come out by The Orb? And, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, I'll give you, I'll, I'll make you a tape. And she was like, but it's not really music. Like, what's it like? Is it like Osric Tentacle? Something like that, you know? Like, and she's like, well, no, it's not really like that. It's not really music. And so for me, although 
the track was a kind of a big thing in this in the charts. It it was this entry point. It was the first track on the album, and it's what kind of like led me into a completely new world. And 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 listening to the album, it was just it's kind of it epitomizes the journey for me really. So it was kind of it was really important. And I kind of threw away all my guitar music pretty much straight away. And it was like right, I want to listen to electronic music, and this is the world that I want to immerse. I've always wondered where the sample came from. Yeah, it's um, some American actress, isn't it, talking about her childhood upbringing. Right, okay. I remember hearing this, and it was one of the first instances where hearing hearing dance music that had an element of, of repetitiveness to it, but with sort of building layers that you could you, you could miss if you weren't listening closely. Like every yeah. pass of the, of the sort of sample and, and, the, and the vocal, you can hear a few more things there on the top, or, or maybe the sample becomes slightly longer and you would hear a little bit more of what she was saying with each kind of pass. Um, yeah. Well, they, were, you know, they were classed as ambient as well, weren't they? And it's really funny because, like, you know, after after kind of the orb, I then kind of also kind of got like fully immersed in, you know, in early ambient music. So, like, the first, you know, Aphex Twin ambient works and you know, KLF Chill Out and those kind of real kind of, you know, journey records where you basically just put them on and close your eyes and go to sleep and, you know, and listen to that. And you actually listen back to this now and it's actually, as you said, quite, it's pretty dancey, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, it's quite weird that you kind of, you considered them as an ambient band because actually they weren't that ambient. So this is? This is uh, Little Fluffy Clouds by The Orb. Moving on from the orb, who are we listening to next? Um, okay, so um, a bit of a kind of, I suppose, move it on slightly um, to a band called The Knife. Now, I think you and I both discovered The Knife at the same time, didn't we? Through a snowboard yeah. film, through Afterlife. Yeah, but they're not, they're not, they're not a band that I've actively sort of pursued to, to like listen to more of or, or go any deeper because like. There was a kind of there was a kind of darkness to the tunes that I heard, and not mm. enough sort of of an obvious melody that it grabbed me and made me want to go deeper. Yeah. Like I'm a sucker for harmonies yeah. and melody, and I know there will, there will be tunes that would grab me if I if I took the time. But like, it, but if the if the first track that I hear doesn't get hold of me like that, I'm not motivated to like to do the research. Um, and like I, I know our friend Ewan Cameron was really into this band as well. Like he raves about them, but I, mm. I, but I never got there. So, but they've obviously grabbed hold of you. Would be the point. Well, yeah. Well, do you know what? It, it's similar, really. So I kind of, you know, we we heard Heartbeats, didn't we, on on Afterlane? And again, they were a band that I kind of followed or got into off the back of that. I think I kind of. I went and kind of rediscovered them because um, Karen went and did Fever Ray as like as her, the solo, her solo project. I just not heard their their solo project, um, uh, and 
and yeah that kind of that darkness and that kind of grittiness and as it affected vocals you know kind of brought me back to then go and rediscover the knife and then this was just kind of one of the tracks that I suppose grabbed me in a way you know but they're also really tribal so kind of like after you know getting into the orb and stuff like that I was kind of you know I quite enjoyed the kind of tribalism kind of feel of dance music you know and that kind of repetitive kind of hypnotic nature of it and they embody that they embody this kind of like dark tribal feel in the background through electronic music but again you know like a lot of bands occasionally they just throw out a kind of like a, a pop gem and I think that this really that's where it sits for me it's a pop gem I mean you kind of like listen to the chorus and it's, sometimes it's a bit like you almost feel like it could be silly like but but actually because they do have the darkness behind them and they do have this you know this kind of drive and this tribal feeling and a lot of their other tracks it sits together and it's actually slightly sinister in a way isn't it? you know I kind of get I don't know what's your emotion about it you well, listen I mean, to it the the tunefulness of the intro on this one it kind of reminded me a little bit of LaRue mm. you know that kind of yeah, that, I know what that, you mean. That, that, that sort of punchy slightly electronic sort of hook that that, that, that kicks off right from the start of the track because it's, it's like a sampled kind of steel drum kind of sound, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a bit bon tempe. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, this 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 isn't their sort of... This isn't the the, 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 the normal kind of material you get from them. Usually it's a little bit more, uh, like I said, darker, a little bit more soundscape-y, um, whereas this one's really tuneful. One of the reasons I sometimes struggle getting into bands like this is because the output is so varied. Like, if I hear something that grabs my attention and then I do go deeper and I don't find more of the same, well, I, it, it's almost discouraging to me sometimes. And I've had and I've, yeah, I've, I've had it recently. I had it last year with an artist called Jordana um, who put a whole album together and then worked... She, she produced the whole album herself from what I, I remember reading... And then right at the end, she worked with a producer and created this completely different sound. But that was the first thing I'd heard of her when I heard that track. It had a little bit more uh, of an edge, uh, slightly more aggressive kind of percussion. So I heard that and I went straight back. I was just like, right, give me more of that. But the rest of the album wasn't that. But, But the album that she's just released is more of that because that that it turns out that that was a moment that she discovered where she wanted to go next um so like so yeah so, so going back to the knife like if if i heard this and then listened to the album and didn't hear more of this i would struggle to persevere because I'm, I'm so add with yeah. music i was just like next you know yeah yeah well i, I completely and yeah and I, I suppose the other thing about them is just i quite like the fact that they're a bit mysterious and they don't you know they don't appear in their music videos and they don't you know you got my Freudian slip before because obviously um, Karen is um, you know she um, doesn't associate with a gender but but you know like it's just it, they're just mysterious and they do different things and they, and and when you know if they're live then they do something slightly avant-garde or slightly different and um, you know it's all very theatrical and it and and it kind of like all meshes together to kind of create this you know this 
it's quite interesting package, I think, really, and that's probably why I chose them. Okay, so this is? Uh, this is uh, Pass This On by The Knife. So that's the knife done. Who's up next? You were expecting this, weren't you? You had to be expecting this. I I, I was surprised. I was, like, this will give it away, but I was surprised that there wasn't a radio head track in this because I, they've been they've been omnipresent in I'm I've known. Yeah, yeah. Like, whenever a new yeah. album came out, it got played to death in the shop. Um, yeah. But again, but by the same token, it doesn't surprise me that if they are not in, that this artist is. So who's this by? So this is um, the great Tom York, um, who, as we know, is otherwise known as the lead singer of Radiohead, <laughs> general music guru. He's um, yeah, he's. Um... He's grown on me so much in the last sort of five years or so. Like, there are periods of Radiohead that I, I was really on board with, and then there are periods of Radiohead that it took longer to get my head around. And that's probably by design. They've always, you know, made great strides to do different things each time and not, not repeat themselves. Um, but... I think a lot of the, the stuff that Tom York puts out is super interesting. Um, did you hear the track that he just put out with um, Fortet? Yeah, yeah, Fortet and Burial, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He really likes electronic music, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that, you know, shows through coming, like, from his solo work. I mean, I think, you know, his first album, we kind of, like, we played the, you know, the Eraser, we played that to death in the shop as yeah. well, didn't we? Um and he was kind of finding his feet then and you know and then he went off and second record was kind of like really experimental and yeah but um, you know obviously he kind of came back with a with a third album which I just think is just it's a bit of a triumph really he kind of knitted it all together he knitted the the, the kind of use of electronics and stuff and, and, and actually sometimes I think that it's really difficult people that experiment you know or like if you're in a rock band and then you experiment with electronics it can sometimes sound really jarring it doesn't work it, you know or it can sound really boring and bland it's difficult it's, I think it's difficult you're either a pure electronic band or you're a guitar band and Sometimes when they mesh together, it can mesh together so horribly. <laughs> so yeah, and I, I think I think there's a danger of of bands becoming stubborn when they when they decide to go off in a direction and they refuse to go back. Like if it hasn't quite worked, it's like no, we're doing this now, you know. Like, but I think because they kind of did it in stages, you know. Like because Kid A was such a different album from OK Computer and then I remember Amnesiac coming out and you being almost frustrated at the time going oh right so now they're doing my music <laughs> yeah I know yeah they, they found my they, they found my off cuts that's what I felt like I remember that first track yeah they found my off cuts and now basically he's just singing over something that I made a loop of yeah yeah it was exactly like that wasn't it it was kind of 
they totally but i mean they still they they nailed it yeah. didn't they and it's so funny that the kid a thing you know which is what 20 mm-hmm. years old uh, is, it, is it 2020 i think um 20 year anniversary and when it came out everyone hated it they were like radiohead have lost the plot <laughs> yeah, and, and then you, you, you shoot forward three or four years and it's heralded now. Uh, so yeah. it's... it's I, 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 I said this on last week's episode um, when we were talking about St Vincent, is that with, with some artists, they're so ahead of their time and they don't care what everyone else is doing. But it's, 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 it's a little bit like the stop clock being right twice a day. Like there's going to be a point in time when everyone else's taste kind of align with that output and they yeah. almost look back and go oh actually it was amazing we just weren't ready for it yet oh completely well and St Vincent is a you know I mean you know you make me feel guilty that I haven't got a St Vincent track on the on the on the playlist but you know she's one of these people that you would get you probably get annoyed with because you would buy you know buy album three and you'd be like I really like this and you go and buy album four and then go hang on a yeah. second <laughs> completely reinvented herself and you know and but I think that that again you know whether it's Radiohead whether it's St Vincent that there are people out there that are there are bands out there that are happy to to tread the mould aren't they to rehash what they've done move it on in incremental stages and then there's some people that just get bored or you know or just it's not where their influences are and they just go yes and moving forwards and moving forwards all of the time because it's got to be interesting for me to be able to make the music it's got to be interesting to you know continue producing and creating and Tom York's definitely one of those kinds of characters like he doesn't really care what anyone else thinks he just wants to make what he wants to make and yeah and at this point he's got the following that will just trust him completely they'll go on the journey yeah. Okay, so this track is? This track is not the news. Okay, so moving on from Tom York, who's up next? So, yeah, so this is an interesting one. Um, it's... Um, a guy called Matthew Barnes that operates under um, the moniker Forest Swords. So, I listened to this. I've listened. This is one of the tracks that I've listened to like two or three times in a row, trying to find where it is for me. Do you know what I mean? Like where you kind of find where yeah. you sit inside a track, and the sample, like the, the it's almost like a choral vocal sample that they've got. It yeah, reminds yeah. me a little bit of uh, this corrosion by Sisters of Mercy. Um, yeah. you, you, there's yeah. like chops of it, so like I, so like I was, yeah. so I listened to it quite, for quite a few times just to work out what, what I what I was sort of recognising in a way. Um, but um, yeah, it's a really interesting track. I think it, it, so. It's interesting from my point of view. So so I kind of. I started producing music, you know, years ago, like, and, and, and kind of came up through, you know, guitar bands and, you know, and metal bands, whatever, folk bands. And, um, and then kind of after discovering electronic music and wanting to move into electronic music production, 
I found that I was always kind of trapped in, like, I write like a songwriter. I kind of write, you know, verse, chorus, verse, breakdown, mm. you know, coda. Whereas, you know, your true kind of electronic producers and stuff, they they, they find a groove, don't they? And they, they, they go with it and there's, you know, subtle shifts and stuff. But ultimately what it is, is it's this kind of repetitive kind of like tribal feeling. And, and you know, I'm kind of like, oh, let's have a key change or something like that. And, and where Forest Sword is interesting is I think that his production actually is quite verse, chorus, mm -hmm. verse. But with the absence of a vocalist, what he then uses is he then chops up sound recordings and samples and vocal harmonies and uses them as his vocals. So, um, I mean, not just on this track, but if you listen to his album, it is almost like you can sing along with it because he kind of uses these motifs within it and these captures of sound to to do what a vocalist would do. No, yeah, I, um, I see that. It's 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 one of those tracks that takes a second to to get your head around, and and that's that's true of a lot of the songs on here. That some of these songs aren't they're not easy to listen to. You have to kind of pay attention to see where they're going, because you you really do like these tracks that are a little bit more uh, experimental and that are doing different things like but yeah that's but that's music for me you know like so you know music was for me was always you go and you get the record you know or the tape or whatever and you sit down and you put it on and then you spend time listening to it you know music is not something that is a you know that you put on in the background or you know you do the dishes to it's something that you go and you know involve yourself with you know i mean you wouldn't like you wouldn't necessarily wash the dishes or like or cook a meal and be watching a film at the same time would you you immerse yourself mm -hmm. in the film and i definitely was you know brought up in a world where you immerse yourself and you listen to music you, you know you read the sleeve notes you looked at the pictures while you're actually you know actually absorbing it and listening to it and i think also as well I'm always really suspicious if I like something straight away. I'm a bit like, yeah, that's really catchy. I really like it. Um, um, you know, and then I'll listen to it a second time and go, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. You know, and then by the third time, I'm like, never need to hear this ever again. So I think some of the best records in my record collection are records that I probably put on at first and didn't particularly like or didn't quite get. And they're the ones that you kind of listen to and you kind of foster and you give a bit of time to and they become you know they become a love and they become part of your life and and also i suppose the more intense listening gives you then a framework or you know a, a, a placeholder for memory just you know i mean so you remember when you bought that album and you remember when you listen to it because you listen to it to death and there's probably you'll know this like you'll remember times in the shop and probably if you listen to an album that we were listening to together all those years ago he would probably take you back to that place oh absolutely absolutely that kind of repeated listening which you don't always get from an immediate you know immediate listen okay so so this track is uh this track is called exalta Okay, 
so moving on from Forest Swords, the next, like, I was hoping there would be a track by this next group. So who's this? Uh, this is um, Boards of Canada. Like I, I, I discovered Boards of Canada because you rammed them down my throat. <laughs> I feel really no, bad. No, no, not at all. But, but um, I remember, I remember going to your house because my girlfriend at the time was going around for a bone treatment from your yeah. lady wife and yeah. the weather was lovely so uh, you ended up doing the treatment outside in the garden and you were playing boards of canada through the window of your sort of studio room yeah uh, and i remember i remember thinking it's like oh this is really kind of relaxing and woozy and then you're like yeah i am actually playing it at the wrong speed though I <laughs> know, yeah. Uh, it was um, it was that in, in a beautiful place out in the country EP and like a classic John Peel moment. I think I was playing at thirty three instead of forty five, and it was like it was woozy. Still good and, though. And to be fair, oh, it was mega, yeah. But like, I, I did actually think about having that track like on this just because because of that exact story. Because I remember that as well. I can remember you going, oh yeah, like I super get it, and 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 really that's. You know, that's the beauty of you know of like electronic ambient music is you can be outside and it can enhance the sounds of your environment and you know and those feelings that you're having so yeah completely I, they're also you might get I don't know get the sense I'm a bit obsessed with kind of sound and sound production they quite often are repetitive in what they do but they manipulate sound you know they spend so long crafting sound whether it's recording a synth line into an old videotape and then re-recording that videotape onto an old videotape and and then multi-layering it all of it together and and you know and mixing between them the sound is so detailed and so i don't know so unique that um that it just you just need to listen to it again and again and again. Yeah, I, my favourite one of theirs is Dave and Cowboy. Yeah, because like, um, they 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 they've got it's a surfer that's in the video. I think I think it's Laird Hamilton. Yeah, and it's yeah. it spliced those two videos together. And, and it's and it's one of those things where it's just the visual suits the sound so well. Yeah, well, it's the hi hats, isn't it? When he's in the water, the hi hats that are going on and the kind of all of the percussion is water splashing mm-hmm. like in that video. Like it is, it's absolutely, absolutely perfect. And I know it's a bit of a cliche, but kind of everyone talks only about Boards of Canada being nostalgic. They kind of it reminds you of childhood. It reminds you of times gone by and. I don't quite know why people have that kind of feeling about them. No, because... I, I was literally going to say because it, there's there's nothing about their sound that is dated or throws back to anyone else's sound, but there's definitely a, a sense of of looking back fondly at. It always makes me think of like summer months. Like it, I never get winter vibes from a Boards of Canada track. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah. Well, it's it, again, it's kind of like it's the. Like, it's the kind of hippie side of us as well, isn't it? It's um, it's campfires and it's being out in your environment and you know, long nights. All right, so this is uh, this is a track called Telephasic Workshop.
All right. So moving on from Borders of Canada, who are we listening to next? Well, this is a bit of a funny one for me, really. Um, so it's um, it's a band called Alt J, and um, I can remember. So I can remember like first being introduced um, to Alt J when I was away on holiday in Wales um, by our mutual friend Tom's, mm-hmm. and um, he'd sent me. Um, he'd sent me a track he'd sent me something good and he was like oh listen to this it's great and and i can remember like listening to it and going yeah these these guys have got like a f- kind of fully formed sound and they're very unique and they're very different and they're kind of taking pastoral folk and they're taking kind of you know you're, uh, it's a slightly more traditional indie sound with a very unique vocalist and they've done a really good job of it and at the time I think they weren't doing any kind of press releases and stuff. They were kind of like doing this, you know, the mysterious thing. We don't take photos of ourselves. And then, and then, and then very quickly they got quite big, didn't they? And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they were playing live and they were taking photos of themselves. And they were one of these bands that all of a sudden the music press completely rounded on them. You know, it is, they were not cool in the eyes of the enemy or, you know, or some of the kind of other music, you know, they got, um, they got U2 stigma or something, do you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, like, you know, you can't possibly say that they're doing something good because we've decided that this is the band that, um, that you know, they were going to pick on. Um, which is which is, weird, which is weird, really, because when I first heard the, the first track, I was a bit like, yeah, you know, they sound like a really good band and they're doing something a bit different. So I didn't really understand, kind of, I don't know, maybe where the... Um, vitriol came from the music press I, I remember being quite impressed that they were sort of accepted as well as they were not maybe not by the media but but certainly by music fans because they were so alternative there's just like because there were tracks on that first album that sounded like chants yeah you know and so it's it's it wasn't a conventional sound to come out of a band at, at that time. They, you know, they were kind of outliers in a way. Um, so I remember just people, wow, everyone's really latched onto them. But it's, it's yeah, it was kind of, it's, it was a bit of an anomaly to me at the time. But they're a band that I always, whenever I hear them, like old material or more recent stuff, I always, I must listen, I must listen to more Alt J. Because I'm yeah. always really impressed by the stuff that they put out. Yeah, well, I th- also I think that maybe maybe they kind of it's because they were doing the mysterious thing, and then they kind of came out and went, "Oh no, look, you know, we're just you know four ordinary blokes," and then and maybe they were a bit I don't know, kind of like self-referential because they like obviously reference you know music and art and alternative films and stuff within their you know within their lyrics. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it was. But I, I suppose what I th- also thought was really interesting, and probably why I chose this track, is they got absolutely slated for the sample in this track. Right. Because at the time, um, the person who the sample is, am I allowed to say the, the sample is? Of course, yeah. So the, the Miley Cyrus sample, you know, she was not cool <laughs> at that point. In time, it was not cool to sample her. Um, and so everyone was just like, oh my God, they've, you know, lost the plot. Why are they using a Miley Cyrus sample? And obviously then after that, Miley Cyrus goes off and goes and starts hanging around with um, flaming lips and, you know, doing all kinds of like different alternative stuff. And then all of a sudden she's really cool. So it's another one of these kind of classic things of, you know, 
I don't know, the band being ahead of ahead of what everyone else was thinking. Or, and and the know. music press having to eat their hat a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, the music press never eat their hat, do they? They just basically delete and move on. But yeah, um, but yeah so I just, yeah, so... And I suppose the other thing just is I really like the fact that there's repetitive motifs in it again, and it's another good example of how you can use electronic music production within a song-based structure and 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 create something really unique and 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 good okay so this track is this track is called hunger of the pine from Alt J we have another artist that does not surprise me no because we we have we have we have both gushed over this artist uh, it was um, what was the record the record well I'll be giving Carrie and Lowell Carrie and Lowell that was that was the one that, that you raved about to me and then I, one of the reasons um, I, I obsess about that album now is that I would watch the live performance on YouTube to, yeah. to soothe my infant son when he'd just been born. Mm-hmm. And so I, I watched that live concert so many times. My wife got sick of it. Uh, you can imagine how thrilled she was when I bought the album home as well. Um, so I wasn't surprised that Sufjan Stevens came into this. That said, this track again is a little bit more challenging. I brought, well, yeah. So this is yeah, kind of wrong-footed isn't it? because like this is his kind of his band that he created with uh, Bryce Dessner and James McAllister, and you know, what what are those three going to do other than you know make a concept album about planets? Of course, <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it was obvious, wasn't it? But I mean, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I can't remember when we first started listening to Sufjan Stevens. I think that was probably, again, you know, when he was doing his kind of early folk stuff. And, you know, he, again, he kind of went off and didn't and kind of experimented in various different what's areas. The, what's, the, what's, what's the album where he's always talking about Chicago? Is it Feel the Illinois? Is that... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on and feel it. Come on, feel the Illinois. Like, yeah. that, that album got played a lot. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think some of that feature on a, on a snowboard film at some point, maybe one of the UK ones. Oh, it was the intro to um, Benedict. Was it David Benedict's film? Oh yeah, quite possibly actually. Yeah, in, um, in short. And I remember I remember Chris Kitely loving that album. He loved Chicago. Yeah, he loved that track, didn't he? Because he was like he was like the he was like me more too because he was the younger guy in the shop who was getting browbeaten into listening to different music, <laughs> and then he. But that was that was one album and one track that he completely latched onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we still talk about it now. Like you know, occasionally I'll send him a text and going like, you know, and listen to Chicago. But it's funny. It's funny that you kind of used the kind of Carrie and Lowell um, live um, thing to kind of soothe your child. Because I mean, like, so I got the record first, and undoubtedly, it is the best record. A to probably feature kind of 
quiet in the background electronics with a with a folk record mm-hmm. and be the best records to do de- about dealing with grief you know that that isn't mawkish and it isn't you know it's just it's it's absolutely perfect but it's very sad you know oh, it's it's sad it's uplifting it, and yeah yeah look it's i i have a i have a penchant for tracks that are happy and yet sad at the same time and some mm. of the lyrical content in that album is brutally honest like yeah there's no sugarcoating any of it but the melodies are so soothing you know it's it's a real conundrum when when you when you look at it closely it's like i sh- i shouldn't be relaxed by this yeah <laughs> um beautiful beautiful stuff but but like we say this this isn't this isn't your sort of your regular Sustin Stevens kind of material. No, and but he's kind of experimental, isn't he? And I, you know, and you know, with Kerry and Lowell, I was a bit like, how would you make that? How would you, you know, how would you transpose that through to the live arena? And the one thing you never would have thought was, I'm going to go prog with this, you know. Yeah. And you know, and that's what the live thing does. Is it's pretty full on, you know noodly synth solos and kind of like long workouts isn't it it's quite mm-hmm. heavy in some places yeah. i think anyway yeah he he's always kind of been into electronics as well and some of his early records were kind of quite harsh you know on the kind of harsh abrasive rhythms and and electronics and i think that i think that well, i suppose with this track he kind of he knits all of that together but also kind of with an orchestral feel to it but it's still got those nice you know melancholic chord structures that he's kind of renowned for so okay so this track is uh this track's called jupiter and it's by planetarium So moving on from Planetarium, who have we got next? Um, we've got a track um, by One Tricks Point Never. Never heard of him. Never heard of him at all. Uh, kind of like the American kind of, I suppose, version of a Richard James, Aphex Twin kind of wonderkin you know producer mm-hmm. you probably will have heard some of his production behind them um, you know um you know anthony and the johnsons yes and he made a solo album didn't he um anony right. you ever hear that so like so um daniel loperton one of tricks point never was uh, you know the production behind that so he's done a lot of kind of like big production you know he's kind of one of these people you know like the apex twin that He's experimental and he's quite avant-garde. Um, but for some reason, big names kind of also want to work with him. And he's also kind of done quite a lot of soundtrack stuff. And actually, he's appeared on... He's, um, there's been a few One Tricks Point Never um, tracks within skate films. You know, he's done a few, like, I'll of have, some of his records. I'll he's have, definitely soundtracked some sections. OK, I'll have, to, I'll have to sort of dig into that and see see what they were. Yeah. So why did you pick this track then? Um, I just think that, um, well, so it's off his most recent record, which again, it's kind of, it's 21st century ambient, 
it's kind of there's a lot of really interesting little bits between the songs on it um which again you know it reminded me really of kind of 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 the orb it reminded me of um one of the orb's later records called pom fritz which is kind of slightly more jarring um as a you know as a piece of music but yeah and i just again it's it's kind of got a slightly folky feel to it i think it's got very modern production um the videos amazing but um disturbing so i'm gonna have a check that out when you finish chatting um yeah um and yeah and i just think that it's i don't know you know sometimes you know maybe it's maybe it's a fragment of lyric in it you know um you know i can't remember what it says in this song whether it's like and you know doesn't the sea seem so empty or something like that just certain things that kind of just that resonate with you what did you think of it it's another one of those songs that I had to listen to a couple of times, and I'm curious to to to. Lo- I am curious to listen to more. Yeah. Um, but it I, it didn't grab me straight away. It's one of those things where like right, I need to. Kind of like you were saying earlier, you can't do other things and really take this kind of stuff in. You kind of almost need to sit down with headphones and listen to everything that's going on to, to fully appreciate that. And I don't think I've given this enough time yet. But I am curious to, to, to hear more of his stuff. And it, it'll be interesting. I, you know, I, I'll tell you exactly what I'll do, is I'll find the skate sections that he's been used for the soundtrack for. And I'll probably watch them a couple of times. Because sometimes yeah. when I associate a piece of music with skateboarding, it it kind of amplifies my fondness for it like there's been music that I've heard before it was used in a skate video that I could kind of take or leave but because it was attached to some a piece of sort of visual sort of activity that I have an appreciation for it kind of changed my perspective a little bit yeah I think his, that's what his I'll... earlier stuff also didn't have like didn't have singing didn't have like vocoded voices and stuff like that it was kind of it was all purely you know instrumental you know and again, you know, each of his records is different. So one might kind of be sitting in a more ambient sphere and one might be kind of quite abrasive, you know, like abrasive digital processing. But Okay. Alright, so this track is? This track's called The Long Road Home. You know what? So like, and I, I, I think another kind of like music friend of um, of ours, Craig, uh, will be also saying exactly the same thing <laughs> if he listens to this. So, who's your next track by Baldy? Next tracks by Foles, Mike. You like Foles, don't you? I do not have a massive appreciation for Foles. It has to be said. Um, now, I mean, actually, I think it was just that first album because when that first album came out, you and our friend Kat, in particular, played it to death in, in the shop. Uh, and I, you know, I would spend five days a week, every week, 
with at least one of you on any given day and that first Falls record I just I just couldn't stand the vocals I thought they were whiny and they they grated on me and and it's, and it was also one of those examples of when other people are raving about something constantly it almost pushes you in the opposite direction and there's yeah. been a stubbornness within me ever since now that said I have cursed myself when I've heard a track on Six Music or something go oh this sounds interesting who's this that was false shit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I, well, I apologise and for kind of playing it incessantly. And did you go to that first gig that we all went to? Like, no, when they, I refused. Did you? Uh, let me see. So you didn't. So you didn't kind of get the live experience. So, and and, and, and I remember you telling me at the same time, I was like, no, but but when you're in when you're in it and they play this live and it kicks off, this is amazing. And I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. But you know what? Like. I was thinking about this earlier today in the fact that, you know, when you're young, you kind of like him. You make loads of friends all of the time. And then kind of gradually as you get older, you kind of, you kind of like lose that kind of friend making ability, don't you? But like maybe the occasional friend that you meet, you would probably like, you might make even a stronger bond with. I Um, I think as you get older, maybe you're a little bit more selective. You're not open to everyone. Yeah. Because, because, you know, because, you know, people can be dicks and you, you get burnt a couple of times and then you, you start getting a bit more selective or you take a little bit more time to get to know someone before you go, yeah, I'm going to spend time with that person. Yeah. Well, well, for me, Foles is one of these things that, um, I mean, I obviously like, you know, consistently go out and try and find new music and stuff. But this was a band that kind of just reminded me of that energy, that energy of skateboarding, the energy of discovering a band you know and wanting to know everything about them and wanting to kind of you know like it like embody it basically become a fan and i mean and it wasn't just cat was it you know like loads of our friends like anna and stuff we kind of all became fans you know we came in big fans and go and see them you know wherever they played you know um and multiple times on tour and and so that was kind of like really refreshing um and then I mean, it's interesting what they've developed into. Like that first record for me is, is energy and kind of anarchy, and then oh, the momentum is relentless. It's, it doesn't stop. It hits the ground running and it doesn't stop. So like, and I can appreciate all of that. It was just the voice that yeah, I just, yeah. Couldn't, I, just couldn't, I just couldn't get on with it. But like, I yeah. I absolutely appreciate the energy and the pacing of the record, and I can see why people would be swept along with that. You know, I'm I'm not that stubborn that I won't acknowledge, like the appeal, but uh, but but yeah, they have definitely sort of evolved and, um, like I can listen to the more recent stuff. Like it, it, the, the track that caught me out, I think I think it was called Eraser. Um, Inhaler. Oh, Inhaler. That's right. So like, Inhaler. so like, the the vocal wasn't quite as as pitchy and. Uh, it, it felt a little bit more like a rock and roll song than a like, yeah. a, like an indie alternative song. Um, so like th- th- that was the, that was the track where I like, heard it and went, "Oh, what's this?" But um, yeah, so they have definitely changed, and 
I probably would like some of the material, but I just I just can't bring myself to actually play an album start to finish. Well, again, they they've kind of they they've done their arc, haven't they? And they, they've become a rock band now, and you know, you know, that's kind of what they are. They're a, they're a good alternative rock band. I think, um, like, you know, the track that I kind of I've chosen for this one is 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 kind of off their second record, and I think that their second record was kind of a more reflective record, and you know. The, again, the theme is I think that this is, this track's kind of quite experimental in how it kind of falls apart at the end. So it's probably not it's not kind of your go-to falls track, and it's probably not what anyone would expect me to choose. But I kind of chose it because I kind of quite like the kind of falling apart. I also think as well I don't know whether I've ever spoken to you about the fact that I've got this real thing about like trilogies of songs at the ends of albums. So okay. I've got this kind of feeling that kind of like sometimes you've got some albums out there that are great but then the last three songs stitch together so well and leave such a good ending to the record that it turns it into a masterpiece and again to kind of coin an uncool band um u2 acton baby is a great you know it's a great record it's got loads of singles on there and stuff but if you listen to the album those last three tracks that are on acton baby turn it into something that is phenomenally good and and this this kind of is like the second of the three last tracks um, on Total Life Forever. So for me, it's kind of like those three tracks together elevated this, that album into kind of a really reflective piece. And then after that, so after the energy of the first album and the kind of reflection of the second album, then they kind of went off and went, became a bit more mainstream and maybe lost a little bit of their experimental edge and, you know, and kind of got more into that kind of playing bigger arenas and rock band status. But yeah, but so... I like the fact that they were kind of pushing the boat out and kind of experimenting with their sound. Okay, so this track is? This track's called Two Trees. Alright, so moving on from Falls we find ourselves at your final track but before we get into that one of the reasons we've done this episode now is because you've got a record coming out i have i've got a record coming out another record on the 25th of february this year so very excited about it so when we met you were part of a sort of double act like an electronic double act called department yeah um and then that kind of uh i kind of sort of ran its course for for lack of a better word and and but you carried on producing stuff under the moniker chairmaker yes which uh is is related to uh e m bank's book that you made me read <laughs> because because that's what i do that's our relationship i basically just force you to do things <laughs> it, it, it remains one of my favorite books though so like fair play okay all right well something something stick but yeah but then people like, yeah what, okay. Do you make chairs? <laughs> uh, not like that. Um, so, what labels the the EP out on? Uh, so it's um, a relatively new Birmingham label called Urban Records, um, and I think I was introduced to those guys through again through kind of like mutual friends, um, Nathan and Craig, um, who obviously you know lots and lots of different kind of music. Um, production in in Birmingham. So yeah, so they kind of passed these tracks on to onto them, and you know, and they liked it. And 
and wanted to put it out. And it's a bit weird for me, really, in the fact that um, it's kind of like it's the fourth of a kind of it's the fourth EP of a set of four. And this is something that's kind of been going on for I don't know, kind of feels like fifteen years now. I think the first the first fragments of the first tracks that were on that spring EP, the first EP in the in the sequence, were probably maybe even written around the time where we were listening to a Boards of Canada album, you know, um, at Seckington. And, and, and definitely, you know, they were, they were definitely fully, that EP was fully formed when I was kind of, you know, playing gigs sort of a decade ago in, in Birmingham, because I used to kind of sell little CDRs of it mm-hmm. um, there. So, yeah, so, you know, I suppose it's, it's kind of like, it's a bit of an end of an era to kind of get this record out. And, and, and yeah, I'm really pleased with that. And, and I think it's good, and I think it's a, it's kind of a, like a fitting end to kind of those like those EPs and those sessions. So we were getting ready to record this episode, and I and I, I text you, and you're like, "Is the mixtape okay?" <laughs> I was just like, "The mixtape is fine. The mixtape is whatever you want it to be." It's like, "Oh, have you listened to the EP? What did you think?" And I purposely didn't respond. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you know that. It's that classic thing, isn't it? I hate. Well, you know me. Like, I, I'm generally quite, you know, I'm quite outspoken, and I force people to do things, and I, you know, and I, I tend to get my opinion across. But then you suddenly talk about music and music that I'm doing. I just like I don't really, I don't shove it down people's throats, do I? I kind of am a bit quiet about it. I. I feel embarrassed for the person that I say go and listen to my music to because I think oh they're either going to go yeah it's really good at which point I'm going to go liar <laughs> like, <that's, laughs> because they're my friend or like or oh I didn't quite like it you could have used a louder bass drum something like that and I'd be like oh, would you be saying this if it was someone else or it's just it's really difficult isn't it it's difficult it's, it's, a, it's an odd one you know I mean we're quite different in the if I'm doing something that I'm proud of, I will bang on about it. Like, I'm a fucking narcissist at the best of times. Like, so, like, I, you know, so doing the whole loop pedal thing and doing the whole sort of, which was kind of a gimmicky sort of, hey, look at me, I'm a bit of a showman kind yeah. of thing. And crossing over to telling jokes. Like, like, I probably talk about my stuff too much with my friends. They're probably sick of it, but you're the polar opposite. You kind of make it and it's out, but you kind of, Oh, oh, this, this, oh, this, it, it, it's nothing, don't, don't, don't look at it kind of thing, but this is really good. You really think so? No, really good. Like, one of the reasons I didn't respond straight away is because I wanted to talk about it here. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I also wanted to take some time to, to listen to it with headphones. Mm. And, you know, understandably so, You've come so much further along compared to the chairmaker that I was hearing when we worked together. Like, yeah, it's it's so well put together. The the the, the drop in the first track on this, uh, and and the way it kind of sort of envelops sort of from that point onwards is really really nice. But um, the second track, the waves, is probably my favourite. Uh, and I'm, I'm curious to know who who did the vocal in that. Um, so it's a sample, um, and it's like, it's kind of like um, well, 
we just roll back a little bit, I suppose. Um, the whole thing about this kind of like this last EP is is all of the kind of framework of it was built when I broke my ankle um, after kind of like my skateboard accident that you came and saw me in hospital with and brought me a thrasher mag. Thank you. <laughs> um, but um, but and it was actually made kind of like it was made here in this room. It's like you know it, because I couldn't get into my studio because my like leg was in a cast um and um i was like on lots of morphine and you know and pain killing agents so i brought all my music stuff down here and um and that's kind of why it's kind of like really kind of quite guitar based because i'd be sat here in this room kind of like playing guitar and and interestingly i mean <laughs> I could, whenever you make music and like even if you kind of like make music and you kind of think that it's like this pushing the boundaries thing isn't it like you said it, it, you're right this record is different from the other records and in the back of my mind I was going oh my, like no one's going to like this because I've basically gone electronic prog rock in that track haven't I just I mean I like have a proper guitar wig out at the end um but um but yeah, for some reason, it kind of like works. And then it, I just felt it needed some sort of sample or some sort of vocal. Um, and um, I was playing around with like Wiccan chants like, um, that I just downloaded from YouTube. And it, it started off with like, I was using like loads of the song and then I was chopping it up and using less of the song and then I was using less of the song. Like, and then in the end, I got to the stage where I was like, no, actually, there's only two words I want to use. <laughs> you know, I don't need anything else. I don't need any of the kind of you know any of the other lyrics in it that just kind of that disembodied kind of phrase works really well in it okay so how 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 is this going to be released um, so um, at the moment that it's kind of scheduled for a digital release, um, um, I know that kind of um, they're interested in kind of putting out um, hard copies and um, you know and vinyl and some of their other things. So I kind of need to kind of I suppose we have to see what the interest is with it. Mm-hmm. But I would like to kind of hope at some point in time we might get a vinyl copy of it as well. That would be amazing because it, it's worth it for the artwork. I mean the cover's amazing. Oh yeah, I was going to say the artwork attached to this is beautiful. It suits yeah. it so well. Yeah. And 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 you thing is, you know I'm being honest because I'm one of the people who will happily take the piss out of you and lay into you given half the chance. Yeah. And you this you should be really proud of this, mate. Oh yeah, thanks. No, I am proud of it. And you know, it's really funny because like again, like with music, like it's always kind of been a bit of a DIY aesthetic. So you make it and like you make a CD and you put a stamp on it or something like that and you and don't tell your friends about it because you're kind of slightly embarrassed or whatever. But but yeah, but um, it's been really nice actually having a label that actually takes a bit of time and care to actually go, no, you know, we're actually going to spend, you know, what do you want on the cover? Oh, here's a photo. Oh, no. Well, we thought about this. What do you think of this? Oh, yeah, that's better. <laughs> you know, like, so so <laughs> did, did they have any input on the sort of final mix or any of the production in the end? Or No. So, like the, so the production is is all me and 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 everything they obviously it's been mastered um by um, a guy called uh, bunny warren at cold war studios um and he's done a great job on it um and yeah and oliver green has done the um 
than the image, which is great. And yeah, so they kind of like they've let me do my own kind of, I suppose, yeah, my own production, but they've kind of packaged it up in a nice, a nice way. Which well, is, me, I, I hope they do some physical copies because, like, I, I I would love to to like to order or go and buy a record by someone I know. I think that would yeah. be a really nice moment. So, like, I hope that happens. Well, it's always been, that's always kind of been a little bit of a bucket. I think if you're a musician, that is kind of like a bucket list thing. You know, <laughs> you know it's nice to be able to walk into a record store and flick through the records and go, oh, uh, you know, there's a record that I made, you know. And, it's been, and, it's, I, I, and I, I really, I'm really happy that kind of people are buying physical music again and people are into the physicality of it from what we were like speaking about before, because I think that that's all part of it. I don't think you should just listen to a track on Spotify. I think you should look at the cover and... You know, and enjoy an album. Well, it's, it's it's one of the reasons I got into. Well, actually, this kind of decision was taken out of my hands. Like we were we were uh, in California, and we'd be like walking through like the hipster shops or like Urban Outfitters or something. And I would always remark on those kind of Crosley sort of suitcase, vintagey looking record players, and. Sarah's one of these people who just makes these mental notes like click right now I know what to get him kind of thing and I, and I wasn't saying it for that reason I just thought they were really well sort of packaged mm. um, and then out of nowhere one Christmas I, I get the turntable um, they, you know had I actively gone out to like buy a turntable I probably would have got something a bit better you know have, have an amp because the, the speakers that come with them are, are amazing. But what I've done is I've plugged it into a Marshall Bluetooth speaker and that's made it sound way better. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's put me in a position where I can buy things that I want to listen to from start to finish. It puts you in, it puts you in a position where you kind of have to do that because it's not easy to skip tracks on vinyl. So you, yeah. you, you listen to the whole thing and you hear the contrast and you hear the, the, the context of of the entirety of it um and it's it's nice to have something tangible in your hands you know um it's it's nice going out and buying them like going on a bit of a mission but i probably get equally as excited when something gets delivered mm -hmm. so yeah I, I hope it happens like i really want to get that i think it would be amazing yeah, no, completely. It would be, it would be good. It would be, it, and it would be a fitting, I suppose, a fitting end to kind of like to the full records and, and, and yeah, it's. Um, I'm, oh, I'm glad you like it. It's always kind of, it's, it's nerve wracking, isn't it? Kind of like you kind of go and box yourself off and make for two years or whatever, and you know, make something, and then, yeah, and then you kind of put it out there, and then people get to kind of have an opinion on it, and 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 I think so far generally kind of everyone likes it I think they think it's you know I, and I, I like it it's not a lot of people go oh yeah I don't listen to my own music and stuff you know you, I think that churlish you know I, I do like it I think that it kind of it's come together well and you know um, you know it's not a bad effort <laughs> see even though you can't just, <laughs> it's not a bad effort you can't just go oh, yeah, can't. it's good yeah. Okay. okay. So, who's your last track by? Um. So my last track is by uh, DJ Shadow. It's another artist that I got into through you, 
and the first record I bought. So like, how sneaky is this? So just before Christmas, I twigged. I was like, oh, I know what she's done. I know what she's done. She, she, I bet she's got me a record player. So off the back of that hunch, I ordered uh, Introducing on vinyl and had yeah. it delivered before Christmas and then had to explain how I had another record. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I bought this 10 years ago and I've just been waiting for you to give me this Christmas present. Brilliant. That's <laughs> oh, really good. So we, we've been to see DJ Shadow a couple of times. Yeah. We, we saw him on the Outsider Tour. <laughs> yeah, we did see him on the Outsider Tour. Which, which, that which famous occasion. <laughs> which, which is an album that we agonised. Come on, call it as it is. It's his Phantom Menace, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you know? it's just, it wasn't... It wasn't <laughs> we were hoping for so much more. Like, following on from, like, Private Press, you were hoping for something of the same kind of standard. And I remember, I remember talking to you and we actually thought, okay, so if we just take that track out and take that track out and sort of like, and then retrack it, like, you know, and we still couldn't make it good. No, no, no. It was, uh, it, 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 that record kind of scarred me for so long that I, I think it took me till, um, you know, I don't know. It took me about ten years before I would then dare listen to DJ Shadow again. And it kind of it was, and it kind of almost kind of infected my love of the first two for a while. I had to not listen to DJ Shadow for a while. <laughs> I was traumatized by the Outsider. But he did, he did get back to to, to churning out stuff of a which more of what we expected and a, and a better standard. But I think that's one of those instances where he did exactly what he wanted to do, and we just weren't into it. Yeah, completely. Yeah, you know, probably you know, production was probably good on it and stuff, but it just wasn't necessarily what we were, what we were looking for. But but this track is off the private press, and this is an album that we listen to to death, gladly. So, Absolutely, and I, well, I think that this is also this track is the one whereby, if you're a DJ, there's like you know, there's different kind of I suppose different kicks you get out of DJing whether it's you know filling a dance floor you know and keeping people people keeping people moving but in a creative sense um I always think that it's when you've got record A and you've got record B and you put them together and you make record C that no one's ever heard before but it's perfect and it's brilliant and I don't know have you ever been to um, a website called who sampled yes you know what I went on that to try and look at the the uh, Forest Swords record because I was kind of was like, what is that vocal from? I wanted to know if it actually was Sisters of Mercy. So, yeah. So I have looked at it from time to time. Yeah. Well, you go and like look at um, the kind of the 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 samples that that are used within this track, and they're all there. Like I mean, he hasn't he hasn't really messed around with them too much. But it's it, but it's just I think it's, I find it fascinating that these three there's like three main records that kind of build this song from three different eras, you know, three different times built made apart from each other that he's thrown together and has created something that's utterly perfect. It's it's definitely my favourite track on this album. 
it might be my favorite DJ Shadow, period. It's one of my favorite songs to drive to. And I always imagine it as like the end scene of a movie. And the and the part where it drops is where the camera cuts out and the credits start to roll. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, there's this very gradual, slow build of these beautiful chimes, and like I've, I've, I've stayed on the motorway, like I've, I've driven a little bit further down the road so I can listen to the whole track rather than go home. Because it's a long one as well, isn't it? It's like nine minutes long or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you um, do you remember when we always used to play up next? Yeah. Like, you know, the iPod, and like, you're like, someone would go to the iPod and they'd choose a track, and then someone else would go and they'd choose a track. And it'd be like, generally, it'd be me, you, and Andy Mole, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, but, um, but we like, we would do, we would basically choose track after track after track after track, and they'd maybe start off dancey or whatever, but then they would gradually get more and more and more epic. Mm-hmm. And then. Because of, there, one, there was an element of one upmanship. It was like you were trying to beat the previous track with your selection. Yeah, it had to be better than the last person's and then at some point in time in the game one of us would put this on at which point the others would go that's the game ended <laughs> uh, it would be the last one so I thought it was fitting that it should be the last one on the mixtape because it was always the last one when we played that game because you can't you can't get better than this can you you no, can't you really can't you can't okay so this track is this track is called Blood on the Motorway. Oh man, thank you so much for coming on. I've really enjoyed this. This has been good fun. It has. It's been, yeah, it's been nice. Yeah. It's, um, thank you for inviting me and thank you for, like, I suppose, taking the time and, you know, and listening to the record and, you know, and kind of talking a bit about it. No, and, no. And I am, I'm glad you like it. So that concludes this week's episode. I really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you can tell. And I'm glad we got to do it in time for the release of his new EP. He's worked really hard on some music that deserves to be heard. So I implore you to search for Chairmaker on whatever music platform you're currently streaming on. And fingers crossed we get a physical release at some point in the future. Now, as always, we've kept the music discussed played below the conversation because I believe that all musicians should be paid for what they do. But if you want to listen to the mixtape in full, you can hear it on Apple Music or Spotify by clicking the link in the show notes. But for now, I'll see you next week for another episode of Mixtapes with Mike.